Hi there and welcome to Power Play. I'm Vashi Capellos. Tonight, allegations of election interference still in the spotlight. We did not see a spike in foreign interference activities during the 2021 election. It is not possible to draw a straight line between foreign influence and the outcome of a particular election. Top elections and security officials testify the last two elections were not compromised despite attempted meddling. But the opposition is pushing hard for a national inquiry. Will they force the government's hand? MPs are here to debate that in moments. Then, former Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull is here. He designed the Aussie blueprint to counter Chinese interference. We'll ask him if Canada needs an inquiry. Plus, could provincial budget windfalls take the heat off of Christopher Freeland's federal budget? Our Thursday front bench panel of former premiers is here a bit later to dig in on that. First, though. It is day two of pointed exchanges between members of parliament and top intelligence officials on allegations of Chinese foreign interference in our elections. Have a listen. We cannot totally shield ourselves from foreign interference, especially in an open and free society, but we can and we must increase our resiliency. I can also confirm that this review is ongoing as I speak to determine whether there's any tangible evidence of wrongdoing under the Canada Elections Act. We have been clear that the principal threat to Canada comes from the People's Republic of China. But to be clear, the threat does not come from the Chinese people, but rather from the Chinese Communist Party and the government of China. And you're not investigating? That's We're not investigating any elements from the 2019 or the 2021 elections. We did not receive any actionable intelligence uh, that would warrant us to initiate a criminal investigation. A little taste there from another marathon meeting of the House Committee investigating foreign election interference, allegations of it. Today, testimony from the people who run Canadian elections and ensure their integrity, as well as top intelligence officials at Canada's spy agency and the RCMP. Where do things, though, go from here? Let's talk to MPs about that. Mark Gerritsen is the House Leader's Parliamentary Secretary and Conservative Public Safety Critic Raquel Dancho is here as well. Hello to both of you. Thank you very much for making the time. Uh, Mr. Gerritsen, my understanding is that uh, the committee that you both uh, sat on today has voted in favour of the NDP's motion to call for a public inquiry that spans the scope of all potential foreign election interference. It, will your government support that? Is your government prepared to support that? Well, I mean, we'll see what comes out uh, after the committee reports back to the House, which it hasn't done yet. But I would say that, uh, you know, um, although foreign interference is something that we seem to be talking about now and the, the media is talking a lot about it, this is something that the government has been seized with since 2015. We've introduced a number of measures um, knowing that foreign interference happens in Canada and around the world. It's a question of how we're going to respond to it. So by setting up things like the a special panel, that is activated during a writ period that has the authority to oversee and to act on foreign interference. Uh, that's one tool that the government put in place. We put in, in place ENSICOP, which is the National Security Advisory Committee um, of Parliamentarians that has the ability to look at other, other, what would otherwise uh, to committees be classified information to have that oversight themselves. So this government has been seized with it for um, you know seven plus right. years. It's nothing new, I, oh, I guess okay. is what I should say. Nothing new for you, perhaps, but 
But, and I take your point that your government has done stuff to combat it and to determine uh, how, if it affects our elections. But despite all of that, because of the allegations that have surfaced in the public, there are genuine concerns among Canadians about the potential. In fact, Angus Reid polling points out that 53% of Canadians right now are worried about the potential impact on our democracy. Yep. Instead of continually kind of dismissing those concerns because you've done other stuff, why not just say, okay, if it will help people believe in the integrity of our system, let's just do an inquiry. Well, listen, we're... To, to start with, I mean, yes, we've been doing that stuff, but this is not to say that we're dismissing concerns. We fully, uh, you know, um, are seized with the concerns that are out there. But, but you refuse to do more than you're doing right but, now. But you heard the election. You heard the commissioner say at uh, committee today a number of experts and witnesses that came forward. In your opening clip, you had the RCMP uh, uh, saying there was nothing that constituted uh, further investigation into this. So I think that it's pretty uh, um, um, clear in terms of that the last election was decided by Canadians and Canadians only. There wasn't any threat that, that was deemed to be actionable uh, and that it was that the process that we have in place worked. Does that mean that the government doesn't want to look at how we can do better and what more we can do? Sure. But the question is, are we doing it in the right venue? Um, you know, this is why I brought up those two other venues uh, that we already have in place uh, uh, earlier. Uh, we have venues uh, in place to properly study and analyze in a, in a in an environment where we can respect the confidentiality of the, the, the information that we have to look at. And so this is what it really comes down to, is that do we do this in a venue that won't give that access, or do we do it in a venue that is actually designed to do this? Uh, Ms. Dancho, we, we heard today from the head of CSIS, Canada's spy agency, who said, and I'll circle back to some of mm -hmm. Mr. Garrettson's points in a second, but we heard from uh, David Vigneault, who confirmed essentially what the site panel had asserted in 2019 and 2021, that the outcome of the election was not impacted. If the head of Canada's spy agency is saying that, and of course it's, it's, it's their intelligence that we are all reacting to through the Globe and Mail's reporting, then why would an inquiry still be necessary? I think certainly we saw from the leaked CSIS documents that was reported by the Globe and Mail a few weeks ago that there were significant impacts on several seats held by Conservatives that were then lost to, to Liberal candidates. And so I think it's important that the public be made aware of the details of those allegations and the impact that they had on Conservative seats. Again, the CSIS report said that there was a strategic effort by Beijing to support a Liberal minority win uh, and a defeat of Conservative candidates. Quite a serious uh, report out of CSIS. And to see Liberals continuing to downplay the severity of this, and they point to they point to a, a committee or a report that they struck. Well, we know that the report was headed up by the former president of the Trudeau Foundation when they received hundreds of thousands of dollars from Beijing. So so far, what they've done has not resulted in any safeguard of those MPs who lost their seats as a result, at least in part, to China. Uh, Beijing election interference, pardon me. And I think what we're looking to see as Conservatives is a, is a committee that is robust, that brings forward all the Prime Minister's staff who had those briefings with CSIS, who were informed that this election interference was serious and took no measure to defend uh, our democracy in the 2021 but, election. Okay, and again, I'll just point out as just one last point, if you'll allow me, the Conservative Party yeah, reached sure. out to that task force that Mr. Gerritsen outlined, uh, pleading for support as they saw these uh, impacts happening on the ground in Conservative-held ridings, and that task force did nothing to support them. So they continue to point to a task force that has done nothing to support candidates who have been targeted by the Beijing regime and their strategic effort to ensure a Liberal win and a Conservative loss. 
Okay, but the task force is different than the, the site panel that was set up, right? And the, the site panel was designed to make the determination about whether or not the integrity of the election was compromised. They made the determination that it was not. CSIS, the head of CSIS today echoed that determination. And I take your point about the seriousness of the allegations. Like I said to Mr. Garrett, and I think Canadians are troubled to see that. I interviewed Kenny Chu, one of the candidates, one of the conservative uh, candidates, rather, in question. I, you know, we shared his concerns with Canadians. But ultimately, what CSIS said today, what the head of CSIS said, was that the outcome was not mm -hmm. impacted. So, so, Certain, so, so yeah. again, are, are, you know, are, 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 you, are you basing your, your claims here in fact? I think certainly everyone agrees, all parties agree, that the uh, ultimate outcome of the election uh, was not impacted. But we, the information that we have is that several Conservative seats were lost to Liberals in part or in full as a result of Beijing's strategic interference in our last election. And so, Fashi, it may have been a handful of seats this time, but there are circumstances where a difference between a majority government and a minority government is, is about a handful of seats. So I think we need to see serious efforts by the Prime Minister and Liberal government that they are taking this seriously. They stop downplaying it. They take serious action. I'll, I'll outline that no one has been arrested for this. No one has been charged for this. Uh, and I asked the director, the RCMP today, uh, what it, would there need to be legislative changes made so that charges could be laid? And he said that that could be another tool in the toolbox. And yet we've seen no effort from the prime minister or the minister of public safety to bring in criminal code changes so that the evidence that they've gathered and charges can be laid and pursued. And so I think that that's I, concerning. Okay, we've I, also seen the same, I'll if I can just end here, uh, the police, those four police stations that are operating illegally in Canada from Beijing that are used to terrorize Chinese Canadians for speaking up against the Beijing regime, no arrests have been made there. So how seriously is the prime minister taking this if, if no one has been held accountable believe, for the police yeah, the, stations I, I, or for the election I take that point. I take the point about accountability. I, I did hear the RCMP, though, say that they used uh, you know, overt operations in order to shut them down. But I do take your point on accountability. Mr. They Mr. said they, look, the I, operations I think have what, possibly ceased, yes. If this, if this, if I take from what Ms. Dancho said, you know, if the shoe, if the shoe was on the other foot, if, for example, there were 11 Liberals who lost because of potential or, or allegations of Chinese interference, would your party not want to see a full accounting of that? But what Ms. Dancho said is not correct. She just said that um, a number of seats were lost to Conservatives as a result of foreign interference. No. Authority has actually confirmed that. As a matter of fact, in committee today and repeatedly in committee yesterday, the exact opposite has been said by CSIS, the RCMP, the uh, Commissioner of uh, Elections, the CEO of Elections Canada. Everybody's saying that the integrity of the election the, was the upheld. The election even, was free and fair. Even, even you just said that the election was free and fair. And well, I'm, that the quoting integrity the was I'm quoting the CSIS director, yeah. but, 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 but I think, uh, you know, I, I agree that you can't know what the, the you can't know, uh, you know, nobody is saying those 11 riots were decided. But we also have read Mr. Rosenberg's report, which said it is very difficult to ascertain that, to disaggregate all the factors. And that, you know, maybe, he didn't say this, but I'm wondering as a result of that, would it not benefit Canadians and the Liberals and the Conservatives mm -hmm. for everyone to be able to say, here's all the information we can share with you about this? Because regardless of your, your government pointing to the mechanisms that exist mm -hmm. already, there was a lot of stuff we didn't hear today. A lot of people saying we can't say that. But you didn't hear it today for the same reasons that you won't hear it in a public inquiry, because a lot of the information is kept in a confidential manner that is subject to certain classifications to be able to analyze the information. 
information. So I guess my concern is that if we truly want this to be a non-partisan exercise, and I believe that we do because this is something that is the, the foundations of our democracy, then we have to look at it through a non-partisan lens and we shouldn't be trying to take cheap shots politically on this. What we should be doing is saying, what's the best way, based on the expert advice, to go about uh, analyzing the information so and, and bringing if, it to If vote. a judge-led inquiry is it, will you do that? If, if, sorry, if, if, if a judge-led public inquiry is it, will you do that? If, if experts said that, but all the experts are saying that it's not, that you're not going to get any more information in a public inquiry than you would get in the committee today. And that's, that's what we've heard. That's okay. what we've continually said. I have like 30 seconds left. I'm already really, really going long. Ms. Dantra, I want to give you a chance to have a, a final word, if you don't mind. On, on that point, look, it mm -hmm. is true. We did hear from Jody Thomas. She's not going to be able to say more in a public inquiry than she would here. It sounds like the preference for a venue would be that committee made up of uh, MPs who are of sworn to secrecy who have a higher level of access to classified information. Would your party be open to an inquiry happening there? No, I think we need to show, uh, have sunlight on this case, deserve to know the truth about this. And ultimately, our hard line as Conservatives is that any lead of the Commission needs to be agreed to in all parties. No longer can we have Liberal insiders who were heading up the Trudeau Foundation when they received hundreds of thousands of dollars from uh, Beijing that we can we need to have an independent nonpartisan lead of that yet we're not seeing agreement from the liberals or the ndp who are supporting them in this also i will say Vash, just to conclude that an inquiry could take years for canadians to get answers we need answers today as well and that's why conservatives are pushing so hard at committee to ensure that all uh, prime minister's office staff that were in briefings uh, with CSIS and others be brought to committee to answer to canadians what they heard when they learned and why they didn't act on it and i will say just to conclude that the Prime Minister has repeatedly said he was never briefed by this, and yet we see now Jody Thomas, who you mentioned just yesterday, saying, no, he was briefed on several occasions. So we certainly need better accountability from Justin Trudeau and the Liberal government, and we do believe that includes his head staff. And I will just mention that the Chief of Staff I, to the Prime I Minister has been a central authority in campaigns uh, since right. 2015. She needs to come and answer to Canadians what she knows. Okay, I'll, I'll leave it there. I do appreciate both of you making the time for this discussion, Raquel Dancho and Mark Gerritsen. That is the latest on the possibility, as you heard there, or lack thereof, of a public inquiry. Let's say there isn't one. Are there other things the government can do to combat foreign interference in the meantime? Here's what one of Canada's top former bureaucrats, former clerk of the Privy Council, Michael Warnick, told us yesterday on this program. I don't really understand why the government wasn't more proactive if it had just tabled a version of the Australian and UK legislation, put it to Parliament, we wouldn't be talking today. Former Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull brought in a series of laws in that country in 2018, ones that Michael Wernick just referenced, to crack down on foreign interference. Here's our conversation with him. Hi, Mr. Turnbull. Great pleasure to see you and welcome you to our program. Thanks very much, Vashi. Good to see you, too. Thank you very much for making the time. If I read correctly, you said last month that exposing China's activities was the key purpose of the foreign interference laws you brought in as Prime Minister of Australia. How extensive, from your perspective, were and are those activities as they relate to trying to interfere in Australia's democracy? Well, uh, the Communist Party of China has a very active foreign influence uh, operation. It's... Uh, in large part led by a, a group called the United Front Work Department. This is not a secret organisation. It's designed to uh, influence the world to China's advantage. It works uh, particularly through Chinese diaspora communities and, uh, and organisations of that kind. Uh, our 
we passed a bunch of laws in 2018 and the the ones that sort of most typically applied to, would apply to United Front Work Department were foreign influence transparency laws. So a bit like the American FARA scheme, which many of your viewers would be familiar with. So what we're really saying was if you are working with or on behalf of a foreign government or foreign political party, say so. Just put yourself on the register and declare it. We're not saying, we're not trying to stigmatise it or anything like that. It's about sunlight. And, and, and it was country agnostic. Right. Uh, on the other hand, we also had laws dealing with more covert activities, which you might call foreign interference, some of which obviously bleed into what you would typically describe as espionage. And so in the, in the case of the former, I know that you've also testified recently, very recently, uh, that though the aim was to kind of uh, expose China's activities, that hasn't come to fruition. What is the gap there? Well, I think there's been a failure in uh, administration, frankly. I mean, the laws were put in place and the, uh, you know, the public servants, the civil servants that were responsible for it were uh, uh, being pretty passive about, about it. And they were dutifully registering people who chose to register. And they would, uh, you know, they'd see a report in a newspaper that a, someone like me, a former prime minister or Kevin Rudd, another former PM, had given a speech somewhere you know, at a government-sponsored forum, and they'd write us a letter saying you should be on the register, which I have no complaint about, by the way. But it's not exactly the most productive use of, you know, uh, public servants' time. And what they weren't doing was actually going out and saying to organisations, look, we do think you're working very closely with the government of China or indeed another country. Uh, you know, tell us, tell us all about it. And actually... Uh, put a bit of pressure on people. Again, not you're not criminalising anything or stigmatising anything. Like Canada, we're a democracy, open society. We just want a bit of transparency, that's all. That is uh, one thing, uh, as I was mentioning to you before we got on air, it's a, it's a very heated and uh, big subject in Canada right now. That, that foreign agents registry is certainly one thing under consideration uh, by the federal government here. If you were to offer one piece of advice based on what's transpired over the last you know, four plus years after you introduced that in Australia, uh, what would it be in order to, to actually see it be successful in countering especially um, uh, the Chinese or the, the, the uh, communist regime, their, their, their efforts? Well, in terms of the foreign influence transparency angle, uh, Bashi, I think there are, there's a couple of big questions. Uh, one is, do you make it country agnostic? In other words, do you, do you require somebody who is working on behalf of the government of Canada uh, or working you know, in league with the government of Canada to go on the register just as if they were working with the government of Russia or China? Uh, there are arguments that have been made that you should just have the list of the countries about which we have concern, which are obviously Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, but there are others. And, of course, there are some countries that are in a grey zone. So the argument for a country agnosticism is that everyone gets declared and, you know, you don't have any of these unedifying issues about whether a country is one of concern or not. The Brits are going down the, if you like, the listing the countries of concern. That, that's in their draft legislation. Uh, some people have, have canvassed whether we should, to fine-tune this instead, have a what you might call a whitelist. So you'd immediately 
for us, we'd immediately put the five eyes on. So we'd say, look, we're not concerned about relations right. with the government or political parties in the United States, Canada, New Zealand, UK. You know, they're our closest allies. Uh, but then, then you'll get arguments, you know, why isn't Japan on that list? You know, why isn't France on that list? So uh, I think that's, that, that, that's a question, and ultimately that's one you've got to solve uh, yourself. But the most important thing is to make sure that the agencies that are tasked with the job of, uh, of uh, implementing, administering the legislation, actually get on and do it. Uh, you know, you, you can have the best laws in the world, but if the people aren't uh, uh, carrying it out, uh, then they won't be effective. It's like the old story, you know, the, uh, the, the best business plan in the world uh, will fail if it's not well executed. So right. it's exactly the same thing. The heart of the political debate happening in this country right now is also around really the scope of the issue uh, and what to do and how to figure that out. Uh, much of the, the revelations around allegations of Chinese interference in, in federal elections here have come through the media. And uh, there are calls from opposition members to hold uh, a more public inquiry to kind of figure out again what, what the scope is. Uh, most uh, intelligence officials, the government, the federal government says the outcome of the election was not impacted, but there are still worries about kind of what happened in the interim. Do you think that a public inquiry is a, a worthwhile vehicle when you're talking about Chinese foreign interference? Well, I think it's important to do everything you can to maintain trust in the electoral system. It's absolutely important, vital, that Canadian elections and political decisions are taken by Canadians. And if foreigners have an influence, uh, then that is fully disclosed and transparent. You know, so if the United Front Work Department wants to take out ads in the Canadian media and say, do this or do that, fine. But they've got to make it absolutely clear who they are and what they're doing, why they're doing it. Uh, you've only got to look across your border with the United States to see what happens when uh, confidence in the electoral system is undermined. I mean, it led to, it led to a coup or a very a near an attempted coup uh, when there was a, a concerted effort to undermine people's faith in the 2020 election. And, you know, you've just seen what Rupert Murdoch admitted to, that mm -hmm. he, he believed uh, Trump's stole, you know, stolen election lie was a lie. Uh, but nonetheless, Fox News was amplifying it. Well, you get millions of Americans believe in a lie like that, then some of them are going to go the next step and, uh, you know, assault the Capitol in that case. So, so democracy is very precious. We can't take it for granted. And we've got to do everything we can to protect its integrity. And one of the, the best ways to build trust in public service is transparency. You know, you've got, to, you've got to be, sunlight is the key. If people can see what's going on, then, you know, then they know the facts. And then conspiracy theories and anxieties uh, that may not have a lot of basis in fact can't develop. Mr. Trimble, I'm out of time. I want to thank you very much for your time and your insights this evening. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bashi. Malcolm Turnbull was Australia's Prime Minister from 2015 to 2018. We're going to talk about how to best get a grip on those allegations of foreign interference a little later on the program with our front bench panel of former premiers. Christy Clark, Kathleen Wynne and Daryl Dexter will be here. Up next, though, as scrutiny over asylum seekers at the border intensifies, our Richard Madden will bring us his exclusive interview with the head of U.S. Border Patrol. That's after a very quick break. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to Power Play on this Thursday evening. Time for the list, a roundup of what's happening in politics today. Nordstrom is getting out of the Canadian market. The company's website will end operations in Canada actually today and stores are slated to close by late June. The company first launched in Canada back in 2014 but now says it, quote, does not see a realistic path to long-term growth and profitability in Canada. The latest seat projections from Nano's research are out and they project a widening lead for the Tories with 112 seats in the House of Commons, as you can see on the screen there ahead of you, ahead of a projected 96 seats for the Liberals. Those Liberal seats are down 22 from where the projections stood back in February. According to Nanos, over the past month, the Tories have made gains in both British Columbia and the North, but they have lost some support on the prairies and in Quebec. Seat projections are modeled off of polling and historical data. Currently, 77 ridings, according to Nanos research, are too close to call. I urge Russia to reverse its irresponsible decision and return to implementing the new START Treaty which places verifiable limits on the nuclear arsenals of the United States and the Russian Federation. Mutual compliance is in the interest of both our countries. It's also what people around the world expect from us as nuclear powers. I told the foreign minister that no matter what else is happening in the world or in our relationship, the United States will always be ready to engage and act on strategic arms control. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke with Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov on the sidelines of a G20 meeting in India today. It is believed to be the first one-on-one -on -one conversation between the two since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But Russia says they only spoke on the move and no meeting or negotiations took place. Canada's Foreign Minister Melanie Jolie is also at the G20 summit where today Russia and China were the only two members to disagree with summary statements condemning Russia's war on Ukraine. Pressure at the Canada-U.S. border as American lawmakers take aim at security on their northern boundary. Today, CTV's Richard Madden got an exclusive sit-down with the head of U.S. Border Patrol. He's here now with the details of that exclusive interview. Hey, Richard, good to see you. What's the message from American Border Patrol? Yeah, it's quite wild. Uh, Raul Ortez is the head of U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. We had a chance to speak with him in Washington, D.C. Uh, a few days after we toured and had a ride along with U.S. Border Patrol along the Michigan-Ontario border. As you know, the uh, surge of illegal migrants crossing it from Canada into the U.S. has now become a political flashpoint. We've had a lot of talk about securing the southern border, but now there's calls by 28 Republicans to secure the northern border. Take a listen to what Chief Ortez had to say. Is it a crisis? So on the northern border, no. What you're finding is uh, this migrant population is flying into Canada, and then, of course, they may coordinate with a smuggler or, or criminal organizations, and then they get trafficked across the border into the U.S. So what should the Canadian government do to stop or curb this? So one, one of the things we have to do is we've got to continuously work uh, collaboratively to make sure that we are exchanging information. So obviously he was sidestepping and being quite diplomatic as to what the Canadian government uh, should do to stem this. But we're already hearing uh, from re congressional Republicans demanding that Canada review its visa policies, particularly from travelers flying in from Mexico, where visas aren't required. They fly into Mexico or Montreal, then they deal with, arrange with smugglers, they say. 
and take them to that short distance to the U.S. border, along with uh, countries like Brazil and Romania, where U.S. officials say it's very easy for them to get uh, Canadian visas uh, or electronic uh, travel arrangements. Uh, we're hearing a lot of uh, talk behind the scenes diplomatically between leaders of both countries, uh, including enhanced surveillance and monitoring along the northern border, uh, addressing Canada's visa policies, as I mentioned. And we're also hearing Canada is pushing to renegotiate or modernize that so-called uh, third safe country agreement, of course, that handles claims from asylum seekers arriving into the U.S. But you can bet this, Rashi, I suspect this is going to be one of the key topics President Biden and Prime Minister Trudeau will be addressing in that visit uh, expected later this month. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. We heard the Prime Minister say it was definitely on the agenda. Thanks, Richard. Look forward to the full, uh, full interview. Bet. That's Richard Madden in Washington. We're going to take a quick break right now. After that break, your Thursday premier's fix, the front bench with Christy Clark, Kathleen Wynne, and Daryl Dexter. There they are. We're going to talk potential Chinese foreign interference. Stay with us. We cannot totally shield ourselves from foreign interference, especially in an open and free society, but we can and we must increase our resiliency. I can also confirm that this review is ongoing as I speak to determine whether there is any tangible evidence of wrongdoing under the Canada Elections Act. We have a little flavor there of what took place on Parliament Hill over the past two days. A committee tasked with investigating allegations of Chinese interference in the 2021 election heard testimony today from uh, top elections officials as well as top intelligence officials, many of whom substantiated reports and the government's insistence that the outcome of the 2021 election was not impacted by those allegations of foreign interference, but also many of whom raised a lot of concern about the degree to which China does attempt to interfere in our elections. So is there uh, another venue? Should there be another venue to investigate that? Let's bring in our front bench to talk about that this evening. Former BC Premier Christy Clark is here. She's now a senior advisor at Bennett Jones. Former Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne is with us as well. She's now a professor at the University of Toronto's Victoria College. And former Nova Scotia Premier Daryl Dexter is with us. He's now vice chair of global public affairs. Hi, everybody. Great to see you after a little break last week. Uh, Kathleen, I'm going to start with you. Um, the, the feds are resistant to the idea of a public inquiry, but based on the level of concern Canadians have after reading about these allegations and listening to, to everything that's taken place take place, do you think that another venue for investigation, another mechanism, another kind of investigation is necessary? I actually do think so. I think that uh, the politics of um, this now in the country has become pretty compelling in terms of people's questions about what, uh, what went on. Um, I was listening to a little bit of the committee uh, testimony um, this today, and there doesn't seem to be anything glaring that is coming out of that, uh, that conversation. But as you said, Vashi, there are questions about um, what happened, what is ongoing, because there seemed to be this notion that um, there hasn't been a spike in, uh, in, in an increase in surveillance, but but there's a there's a foundational layer, and I think people want to know what that means. And quite honestly, and I'm not being facetious about this, I think that the balloons did not help. You know, I think the fact that people were already worked up about um, who's watching and what are these things in the sky, I think there's a heightened level of concern. So I do, I do think there needs to be another mechanism. 
I, just jumping off that point, Christy, I do think that there is, and we even touched on this a few weeks back, but there is kind of a heightened level of public cognizance writ large about the threat China poses in, in certain respects, right? And I think now, given the reporting over the past few weeks, that includes the realm of elections. And, and again, everyone is saying, conservatives, liberals alike, the outcome, we're not disagreeing with the outcome. We're not claiming it was stolen like you heard in the States. But that doesn't negate the fact that there are still some pretty real concerns. Yeah, I think those concerns are real. And, I, you know, this is our democracy we're talking about. It is the underpinning of what keeps Canada uh, a place that's free and, you know, where we have freedom of speech and constitutional rights that are protected and the right to vote and choose our elected representatives. There is nothing more important than defending our democracy from all sides of the House. I think the, you know, I, I think it's true. Certainly people are a little, are, have a heightened awareness about some of these things, as Kathleen talked about. I do think, though, too, you know, one of the questions isn't, have, you know, is, you know, has something happened? I do think, though, too, one of the other questions will be, when the Prime Minister's office and, and staff were briefed about it, was anything done? Uh, because it seems to me if there are, um, if there are concerns from senior officials that there has been interference, the leader's responsibility would be to refer that to the appropriate body. So chief electoral officer, CSIS, other organizations, there are a number of, of bodies whose job it is to protect us and protect our democracy. I'm waiting to see what the answer is to some of those questions because it does appear that they had been briefed a number of times about this and it's not clear that anybody... Uh, acted on it and I think that would be a real source of concern for me because you want to know that our elected leaders are if if nothing else protecting our democracy that's where things kind of uh, get interesting Daryl in so far as how are we going to ascertain all that information because what we heard in the past few days was um, you know some uh, forthcomingness around some parts of what they could say but there's a lot of stuff that people can't say in the public realm people who deal in national security uh, which leads someone like the National Security Advisor, Jody Thomas, to say, well, maybe, a, you know, we wouldn't be able to say anything different in a public inquiry. Is there a means, do you think, to get that information, to have somebody independent assess it so that they can conclusively say to Canadians one way or the other, you know, you, they got this information, they did something with it, they didn't, whatever, whatever the conclusion is? Yeah, I think early on the, the government tried uh, to trot out this line that somehow a public inquiry would, uh, in fact, serve to undermine uh, people's confidence in the electoral system in Canada, and I and I think, uh, I think that's a pretty thin fig leaf to try and put over this. Uh, uh, over this situation. In fact, I think the opposite is true, that if, you know, the more that you um, uh, fail to make all of this information to the extent that it is possible, public, um, the, the more you uh, you work to undermine people's confidence and that the system is working correctly. So um, I, I, I think an inquiry, uh, the nature of which I think that there can be some discussion on, but I think an inquiry where as much of the facts as possible are able to be kind of laid bare, um, that along with whatever measures were taken to improve security around our, our elections um, would, uh, I think, uh, only serve to bolster uh, Canadians' confidence. And I am cognizant of the fact that there are things that are sensitive and that it might be the case that the inquiry itself might have to have 
a certain number of confidential briefings, um, and that that's certainly the kind of things that that takes place in 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 you know other venues. Uh, and I don't I don't see why that in its of itself would be a reason not to have an inquiry. Yeah, makes sense. I think Malcolm Turnbull, the former prime minister, was just on our show and he said sunlight is key. I'm going to take a quick break. The front bench panel is sticking around. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about cutting through American protectionism. Will there be some onus on the provinces to help the feds do that given their fiscal situation? We're going to talk about that, that next. Stay with us. Our government announced budget 2023. This is a budget that builds more housing, that helps with rising costs, that builds safer communities, and grows a strong and clean economy. Energy prices rise and fall, we know that, and so fiscal responsibility will continue to matter. It'll be critical that during years of strong energy prices that uh, governments, uh, the Alberta government, doesn't take on a cost structure that's unsustainable. Two new provincial budgets this week, as you saw there, and certainly a lot of discussion in federal circles about the fiscal position of provinces writ large, because the federal budget is coming up, and a big uh, part of the pressure on the feds right now is countering what's known as the Inflation Reduction Act in the United States. It won't come cheap, and uh, there is a lot of pressure from the federal government on provinces to play a part in that. Let's bring back our panel of former premiers to talk about how that might work. Christy Clark, Kathleen Wynne and Daryl Dexter. Uh, Christy, the budget is expected to come down here in Ottawa within this month, probably towards the end of the month. A big chunk of change, even though they have a, a more limited fiscal, they have some more limited fiscal room, rather, is going to be towards countering the IRA. Uh, we know in the lead-up to when Christopher Freeland met with her provincial counterparts, she was saying, hey, it can't just be us. You've got to help us do that. Do you think that ends up being the case? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> I think that, um, for, so first, what Ottawa calls protectionism, the Americans quite rightly call competition. Um, you know, lowering taxes, offering government programs to support and stimulate areas of the economy. That is not, prote protectionism is when you put in a border tax, for example, and say, we're going to make it harder for you to access our markets. That's not what they're doing. They are changing the, uh, the, 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 economic landscape for lots of areas in tech and they're attracting Canadian tech companies down south. So, uh, you know, and I actually think that those kinds of tools are the things we should be doing in Canada. Rather than thinking about how we raise taxes, why don't we think about how we lower taxes and stimulate growth, create jobs and grow the economy? That would be, I think, the right approach for the federal government to take in response to this. And if they don't, I do think that there's space for a province, if they want to, to decide to take this on and say, we want to be the economic powerhouse of Canada. We want to compete for these jobs and these um, startups and these new businesses. And they could find that space for themselves. But I think for the feds to say, you know, oh gosh, you know, we're all out of money. And so you provinces with your $4 billion deficits predicted like we have in British Columbia, are going to have to take it on. I think it really shows an absence of leadership on Ottawa's part. Rather than have the provinces competing with one another, be great to have a national industrial policy which is going to grow the economy everywhere in Canada. 
Uh, the only caveat, Daryl, to that is that uh, B.C. certainly has uh, a deficit, but there are other provinces like Alberta this week who, who don't, and even other ones who are projecting much smaller deficits or bigger surpluses than they were during the pandemic. Uh, it seems like that's the part of the impetus for, for what the feds are saying. But does Christy also have a point that, um, you know, that that might not end up working out? No, I think Christy has a point, and I think uh, I mean I see it a little bit different. The Inflation Reduction Act is really a misnomer. I mean, the Americans are famous for kind of naming their their spending bills uh, with you know um, kind of one title with a completely different impact. I mean, the the Inflation Reduction Act in the United States is a package of incentives that um, is massive in its scope, that subsidizes industry, that is designed um, to attract, uh, as uh, Chrissy noted, um, uh, tech companies and investment in tech in the U.S. It is designed to strengthen the U.S. competitiveness through investments in port infrastructure and in all kinds of different uh, public infrastructure. And, uh, and I guess... Uh, along uh, that line, that in this country is also the role of the federal government in terms of uh, investing in federal infrastructure. For example, in, in ports, most of the large ports in Canada are federal jurisdiction. The province is not going to be investing in those. Um, so, um, uh, you know, there are a, a lot of investment needed in our ports, mind you, and I think that that's where the a role of the federal government could uh, could could play. Um, uh, they did respond in the fall economic statement, as I recall, uh, sp specifically around investment tax credits for things like hydrogen and looking at, um, you know, other alternative energy sources. And that's the other part of this. The other kind of uh, shoe to, to drop on this is the fact that the federal government has its own priorities, which is the decarbonization of the economy, something that they've been talking about now since they were first elected. And that's going to take a real investment from the federal government. The provinces, of course, uh, 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 are uh, participating along with them in many of those programs, but that's still a, a federal initiative and will take, uh, you know, federal money um, to, uh, to make that happen. I think also, Kathleen, and I'm wondering what you think about this. I mean, the scale of what Canada has to respond to here is massive. I'm not sure everyone watching at home understands, like, the, the amount of subsidies and, and sort of the, the, the recrafting of industrial policy that, 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 that the IRA and the CHIPS Act in the United States uh, prompts is, is huge in scale. Just the advanced manufacturing credit, which excludes, you know, it's a big, big thing for Canada, is worth, like, over $60 billion. So that requires a lot of fiscal fight, right, a lot of fiscal fighting power that the feds do have more of. Yeah, and I, I, I think that um, what Christine Darrell has said makes a lot of sense. And in terms of um, the ability of the country to respond, um, obviously we need the federal government to take the lead. But I think there are two other things, Vashi. I think the uh, investments that Biden is making and the, um, the programs that he's putting in place, we should be celebrating, you know, in terms of um, clean, cleaner, greener tech and, uh, and energy sources. I think those are all, those are all good things. Um, and I also think that the, the provinces, first of all, I'm not as pessimistic as uh, Christy. I think we're going to see more surpluses than we maybe expect. Uh, there may be some, you know, happy surprises as some of the provincial budgets come in. Um, and I, I don't know why we wouldn't expect provinces to 
work alongside the uh, the federal government. Uh, you know, when I was premier, we had we had some of the subsidies that uh, are being talked about in the United States, obviously on a much smaller scale, but we had those in place in Ontario. And they laid the groundwork for now what a Conservative government in Ontario is doing around electric vehicles and so on. So I, I don't know why we wouldn't find a way to play our part. And I think that, um, you know, the provincial governments are going to look pretty churlish if they're coming in with surpluses. And I get the notion that, you know, you can't build in a structural problem. But there are programs that can be put in place that don't have to be, that can have an end date that can actually help in this, uh, in this response. And the final thing I would say is that the, the integrated supply chain with the United States, I mean, that's an ongoing conversation. This bill, as Christy has said, doesn't necessarily speak exactly to that, but it's part of the discussion and it's not a new one. And the provinces definitely have to make the case with their, their partner um, states and governors about how closely connected we are. I just have about a minute left. Um, the president of the United States, Christie, before this budget is tabled, is is coming to Canada. How big of a deal do you think that visit is going to be? I think it's a really big deal for Canada. We need to reclaim our our place in the world as a as an important middle power. And meeting the president of the United States and have, demonstrating a relationship with the most important country in the in the democratic world really matters. And I, you know, I, I really have my fingers crossed for the country and our leaders that they are going to show up well and take seriously the, the single most important international relationship that we have and the one that keeps Canada safe more than anyone, more than any other, and the one on which our economy depends more than any other. Well, I think, I think, it's not confirmed, but I think that meeting might happen on a Thursday. So hopefully it does, so we'll be able to con convene after it and discuss how it goes. Thanks so much to all three of you for the discussion tonight. Daryl Dexter, Kathleen Wynne, and Christy Clark. A quick break here on Power Play. After that break, today's takeaway, is sunlight truly the best medicine? We'll hear about that next. Welcome back. Today's takeaway is all about what's been happening on Parliament Hill for the past two days. A committee has been investigating allegations of Chinese foreign interference in the foreign interference rather in the 2021 election. They have heard over two days from a variety of intelligence officials, the head of Canada's spy agency, for example, a top intelligence official within the RCMP. They've also heard from top um, people within uh, that, that oversee our elections and the integrity of it, the national security advisor to the prime minister. Many of them have come to the conclusion and, and shared with Canadians that they uh, can assert that the outcome of the 2021 election was not compromised. The integrity of it was not compromised by those allegations of interference. But many others have said there are still very valid concerns about the scope of that interference. We spoke with former Australian prime minister Malcolm Turnbull, who back in 2018 brought in a whole host of legislative measures aimed at countering Chinese interference. We asked him if he thought an inquiry in Canada was a route to pursue. Here's what he said. One of the, the best ways to build trust in public service is transparency. You know, you've got to, you've got to be, sunlight is the key. If people can see what's going on, then you know, then they know the facts and then conspiracy theories and anxieties uh, that may not have a lot of basis in fact can't develop.
The committee today did vote in favor of an NDP motion to hold an inquiry into the broader concept of foreign interference, not specific to China. The Liberals have not yet said whether they will support it overall, though so far the Prime Minister has rebuffed calls for an inquiry. That does it for us at Power Play tonight. I'll hand things over to my colleague, Morella Fernandez. Have a great night.